The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up and giddy up. I remember to unmute my microphone. Yay! All by myself. All no one needed to tell me. I did it. Good so, job. We're so proud grown of you. up. Thanks. Now, if my camera stays on, that will be the real treat <laughs> for everyone. Or it will be everybody's uh, preference. I'll I'll only be heard and not seen. I have a voice, a face for radio. Yeah, that's it. A face for radio. Better seen than heard. That's what I tell my wife. Yeah, we need to get back to that as a society around all women. <laughs> yeah, take that, Andrea. <clears throat> yeah, sit down. Cover yeah. your shoulders up. Yeah. Get back in the kitchen. All right. What, uh, what a great way to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? Like, this is, uh, first of all, everybody, welcome to the show. This is the off the cuff. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. This is the failure to stop. That's what it uh, is. Flagship Friday. Uh, or is it uh, Tuesday nights with Eric and Andrea? Or is it Thursdays with just Eric and his guests? Uh, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what show it is. I just spent the last hour of my life plugging and unplugging a lot of things. I feel like Eric, honestly. I feel like, uh, I feel like Tansy. Now you know how I feel. Yeah, I, what it's uh, like I, to walk a mile in my studio. <laughs> I do when I don't have a lot, and I, I I I have fully admitted that it's only because of Elijah that I know how to function technologically. Oh, there it goes, and I am frozen. <laughs> I'm kind of fine with it just staying like that the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> says says my browser lost connection. Anyway, let's not dwell on the negative. <laughs> we'll just move. Yeah, move like thank on. God, like ninety nine percent of the people are listening anyway. And uh, although we do have a very fantastic YouTube Wolfpack chat, uh, most people just listen to this thing anyway. They don't see our faces. Any that's true. So. That's true. It's always wow. just the beautiful, silky, smooth voices of Mike and Eric. Now, uh, you had so welcome to the show. Right. Law enforcement meets culture. We've got four shows a week. You're listening to the flagship show. And today we're going to break down Slushy Gate, which I don't even know what that is. So I will defer to you. What is Slushy Gate? Yeah, guys. Uh, t today we are covering the Slushy Gate, which is um, just wrapping up in Louisville. We got I Am Pitts, uh, Dexter Pitts, the one and only from I Am Pitts. He's a Louisville uh, police officer who served during the Breonna, uh, Breonna Taylor incident. And, and one, he's a veteran as well. He's a Purple Heart veteran. We'll talk about that. But um, they just wrapped up Slushy Gate where a couple of Louisville officers launched some slushies at... Uh, at, at some homeless folks or rioters or whatever, <laughs> and were actually charged and sentenced. Um, and they were charged with a hate crime, I think. Dexter's going to go through most of it with us. Dexter and I just got back from Cincinnati, Ohio, where we had a failure to stop meetup with uh, One More and I'm Out of Here podcast, Drew Breezy, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, which, Mike, you would have loved Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. He was, he's even cooler than I thought he was. 
even though he's a lieutenant colonel. He is uh, he's a man's man, and I really appreciate him. I hope he had a good Marine Corps birthday yesterday. And it was just a fun time in Cincinnati. We had a bunch of fans show up. Uh, we even had a state trooper who came all the way from Columbus, Ohio, and he brought me this patch. Impressive. Quota keeper patch. <laughs> you got your oath keepers, and then you got your quota keepers. So thank you guys so much for all the Wolfpack that came out and uh, to a podcast of Palooza in Cincinnati. And uh, Dexter was filling me all in on slushy gates and everything else. And I was like, dude, this is so insane. I don't know. Well, this is why Dexter is former Louisville PD because of bullshit just like this. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, do we have any reviews of the show? Or no? Um, no, we don't. In, in lieu of reviews, I because it's Veterans Day, I wanted to give a special shout out to the veterans of uh, Failure to Stop. So uh, you can himself. review these pictures. No, not me. Go get off of me. <laughs> uh, the next one, which would be He Big Daddy Dave. A lot of people don't know. Uh, there's He Big Daddy Dave sitting in a beautiful field. Man, it looks, looks like, like his sack is swollen. It does. He is front loaded <laughs> in this picture, uh, which I guess he is either going. It looks like. It looks like that's he's he's rigged to for a parachute drop there. He's got his uh he's got it was he a paratrooper? Uh I mean I know that he jumped out of planes sometimes. Okay, yeah. So he's I, a paratrooper because But I don't know that he was a paratrooper. He was a long range scout. Uh yeah. was like so he's airborne. His, yeah, that yeah. cool. Yeah, cool. I, I like to see his uh You his get a tab picture. for that, right? Airborne's not like just a thing, it's just like a it's a skill set, right? Like you're not. Well, like, you can you can be air, you can be in a paratrooper uh, unit, or you can just be airborne qualified. Nice. Well, so you can you can be right? airborne qualified, which means you have jump wings, so yeah. you can jump out of a plane. But you can also be you can also have jump wings and be in an airborne unit, and then you're that's when you're considered to be a paratrooper. Yeah, don't church it up. They fall out of planes. Yes, Dave was in a farming unit. He dropped into Bosnia and planted potatoes. That's, uh, oh, nice. Pretty much what the uh, what the mission was. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you're not airborne, if you don't have your airborne wings, you're just a dirty, nasty leg. It's kind of like being a state trooper or marine. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> you know, airborne leads the way. So if you ain't airborne, you ain't shit. That's what they say. That's what they say. I was airborne. I don't say that, but everybody else does. You just brought right. it up. So yeah, I say that. <laughs> oh, and Who's there's that? Drew Breezy. That's that's Drew Breezy, and no that is way. some good wholesome Air Force. Man, Drew would discipline. make me change teams back in the day. Look at that guy. Yeah, dude, staring off into the distance with his uh, his chocolate chip cookie uniform and his finger right there on the fucking bang switch. Yeah, look what's at that, that booger what's, hook. Look at the booger hook on the bang switch. Uh, yeah, no, Drew, what's going on there, man? What's Where's the where's the discipline? Was there a Charlie off to your right there? Is well, that, he, uh, he was Air Force, so they probably... That's probably the first time he ever held a gun, and it's probably not real. <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> there's actually a lo lobster uh, freshly prepared off off to his uh, 3 o'clock there out of the frame. Dude, I like and, it how Drew Breezy has like the... The three hundred yards stare in that photo too. Like that's <laughs> he's that's, seen some things. That's deep, dude. That was deep. With that like radio antenna thing behind him, very like very desert stormish. So yeah, but I really like those cookie the cookie cutter um, chocolate chip cookie uniforms that they had back in Desert Storm. I always thought those were really cool. Sucks that they a lot better than the teal seafoam green 
bullshit that they have now. Yep, and that's a picture of me. There it is with the seafoam green blue uniform. Finger not on the trigger, by the way. By the way, so thank you to all of our veterans. For those of you guys, if you want to support the show, you can give us a review. You can give us a rating. Um, we would love to have your reviews and ratings. I'm actually going to put together a contest for reviews and ratings here this week. That's going to be exciting. We got a bunch of new stuff coming um, for failure to stop. A bunch more engagement. We're going to revamp our Discord group a little bit. Um, we're going to re- revamp our YouTube even more, uh, which our YouTube's doing really, really good right now. So thank you guys for everybody that subscribed to our YouTubes and. Um, Mike, if you don't have anything else, you want, me, you want to introduce our guest? Yes, I would. Um, in some circles, he goes by the name Chocolate Thunder. In mm-hmm. other circles, he goes... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I, I have nothing beyond that. I don't. I, I, I was not. I was not prepared for this. <laughs> Weighing in at two hundred twenty-five pounds. When you asked me to to say anything, my head was underneath my desk. I was not trying to perform fellatio on myself. I was trying to find a USB cable that Elijah was telling me I need to move, and I don't know where to find it. But uh, alas. But if you could perform fellatio on yourself, would you do it? No, I would not. Oh, okay. Well, no, I would. I absolutely would not. Okay, um, because I, th- I still think that means you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not gay because it's yourself. No, no, I'd, I'd still feel very gay about it. <laughs> I'd never leave my room. I'd, I'd have like... I would have never have left home if I could have done that. I'd still be like in my bedroom. My hair would be like really long. My mom would be like, not gonna be like, shut up, mom, not right now. <laughs> I just never would Yeah, stop. you could try to get to that five, the magic five times with oh, yourself. Oh, dude, it would never leave my mouth. It would be like, be like a kid that sucks his thumb. I really I'd, be a lot more, I'd be a lot more capable of, of that when I was 19. Now at uh, 38 with a little bit more belly, nah. Yeah, there's no chance. I can't even see my wiener anymore. <laughs> wow. I sort of like regret ever going down this path of conversation to begin with now. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh... <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dexter Pitts from the book I Am Pitts. I've I like that book so much I bought it twice. You did Got it right man. here in my hand. You signed it for me and uh you drew a penis with a smiley face in my book. I don't know what it is about people who sign books for me that always draw wieners. And their books, but you're like the fifth person that signed a book for me and drew a penis on there. So, and it's not a good penis I drew either. It's horrible. It's like not even circumcised. Well, it's no, not. it's circumcised. You put a head on there, a big head. Yeah, it's nice. I it's and, I, and I colored it dark for you. It's not bad. It's not bad. How are you doing, Mister Piss? Did you make it a home alive from Cincinnati? I did, man. I drove up there both days, man. I was two hours there, and then had to go to work the next day, so went home. Went to work, then drove back, then went back. To, man, it was a no. Nah, it was a good time though, man. That was a phenomenal time. Those guys from uh, one more and I'm out of here. Freaking great guys, great crowd. The only Negro for miles, which I always enjoy. There was not a lot of black people in that bar. Not a uh, lot, not any. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was when you walked in, like it, like the music stopped. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the opening of uh, God, what's the movie? Wow. Jesus, I can't even remember now. I just had a brain fart. Oh, it's when uh, it's when the bounty hunter brings Django into the bar. <laughs> <laughs> blazing saddles. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, blazing saddles. Yes. Dude. And then the best part was they said there was a shooting in the town last night, and I walked in. Everybody's like, "Where were you last night?" Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I told him I was like looking at this bar. I would see why you would ask me that question right now. Yeah, I guess they were like running code uh, because we were with a, a fire chief or, or something and said they were they were running code to a 
to uh, somebody been shot call, and they were like, but you know what was crazy is that it happened to be at the same time Dexter left the bar. So and I'm like, you had one black guy in your town, and we're just assuming that he uh, did the shooting already. The property value's already gone down. Then. You, <laughs> you racist fucks. Oh, just God. because of me. Yeah, that was a fun show, though, man. That was like that was a good show. Maybe so. Yesterday's last call episode. For those who don't know, we did post. Uh, we did a round table. There was a firefighter. There was myself. There was Drew Breezy. There was Ian Pitts. There was uh, a lawyer and a real radio DJ. And they just put a bunch of microphones, a bunch of snacks, and beer in front of us. And we I don't know how long we talked, but it was some of the funniest banter and conversation. And so I posted it all up on Last Call. You do not want to miss that Last Call episode from yesterday. Absolutely, Harris. Mike, you missed all of it. I guess I did. It would have been really funny. You would have had a lot to say. Andrea said that uh, she was like, where was her invite? I told her Jim Terry said she couldn't come. Yeah, yeah. Well, this wasn't a Hooters, so <laughs> this was a man's bar, man's trip. But uh, you're from Louisville. Go ahead and introduce yourself really quick for the fans uh, that don't know who you are. Um, let them know who you are. Uh, I'm Dexter Pitts. I'm a former Louisville Metro police officer. Not saying where I'm at now because I actually respect my chain of command and they respect me. So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep that uh, confidential. But uh, so I was with Louisville Metro Police from 2009 to 2018, left there, went to the Border Patrol for a year in a small department in Arizona. Then when the riots and protesting kicked off in 2020, I said that I was going to go back and be a part of it. Went back to Louisville Metro Police. And unfortunately, the department I left was not the same department I came back to, unfortunately. So, you know, things changed and I made the decision to recently separate from them and start employment with another police department in Kentucky. So. That's pretty much it. And also, I'm a Purple Heart veteran. I serve with the 10th Mountain Division. I'm a dirty leg, according to Eric Tanzi. What? But the, <laughs> the, glory, the gloriousness of the 10th Mountain Division, the most deployed unit in the military. So Are they really? I was, I was getting excited. Oh, when yeah. you, you said purple, and I thought you were going to say purple belt in jiu-jitsu. And I was like, oh, man, we can talk about uh, jiu-jitsu today. Uh, you would be definitely ashamed of my jiu-jitsu. <laughs> it does not exist. <laughs> I can get around a mat, you know, better than most people. But now, not on that level. Because it's Veterans Day uh, and you're a real life Purple Heart veteran, uh, before we jump into Slushy Gate and what you think and what your opinion is on, on Slushy Gate, um, what can you walk us through your Purple Heart? I want to know how you got it. I've read it in the book. I assume you don't have a problem talking about it. If you do, um, I would say stop being such a pussy and talk about it. Uh, I want you to relive it. I want you to be traumatized today. Um, so <laughs> it's veterans day. You should be thinking about all the sad shit that happened to you. I'm thinking about all the free food. I'm about to get after this is over because that's why I did it. <laughs> it wasn't for freedom. <laughs> it was for free food. For that Denny's the- grand slam. Son. <laughs> <laughs> don't care about y'all rights. I didn't lose two wars for nothing. At least I get free Applebee's. <laughs> you can go have a, a, a all day rock cheat day today. Like everywhere you want to go, just pile it on. Yeah. Question is, Jeffrey Dahmer was a veteran. Where do you think he'd be going first to eat if he was still alive? (laughs) That's a good question, dude. Hey, Uh, let's go get some free veterans food and then you can leave. (laughs) Um, Dennis Radar, the BTK killer. Uh, He was a veteran veteran? too. Uh, The Green River killer, Gary Ridgway. Uh, He was a veteran as well. A lot of veterans. Was it the Unabomber a veteran? I think he was. I think he was. I don't know. 
Man, it was a lot of veterans that were uh, we're all messed up in some way, apparently. <laughs> in some way, uh, you're just a little bit more messed up in a disgusting way. You have like a big, giant, nasty scar that bleeds. You down love your my eye. scar, dude. Don't show that. You scar. love Ugh. my scar, man. Oh, you love my that. scar, Eric. God, look at your. He was, arm. Rubbing, he was rubbing cocoa butter on it for me. How do you find night? girls with an arm mangled like that? They like, girls it. like chicks that. dig scars. <laughs> <laughs> my wife digs my scar because it gets a check on the first, so she says nothing. <laughs> so tell us, how did you get your scar? So uh, January second of two thousand five, we were patrolling in Abu Ghraib, Iraq. And if you all don't know about Abu Ghraib. Think back to early 2000, I think it was 2004. Wasn't that where all the military dudes uh, like posed those weird pictures with the the people, the terrorists? And Lindsay England, who was probably could pass as a dude. She looks very gender fluid in that picture in the prison, man. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, they were abusing prisoners. So needless to say, when we came to town, we were not very well liked, man. And Abu Ghraib was a Jesus, man. It was a horrible place to patrol. It was so intense. I mean, the people, the way they looked at you there, like you, you could just feel them, their eyes cutting through your body armor into your soul. It was horrible. Like they, they did not like us. And I remember I was patrolling the market one day, and you know, we, you know, trying to win hearts and minds. I uh, reached into my pocket and pulled out a little bag of Skittles, and I handed it to this adorable little Iraqi girl. She's smiling. I turn around and start walking. And I feel something hit the back of my head. <clears throat> Turn around, look down, and the Skittles are laying on the ground. I guess whoever the guy she was with, her dad or uncle, whoever, but he ain't like Americans. And he picked up the Skittles and threw them back at me. Man, I was ready to go fight this dude, but <laughs> get my damn Skittles back. Damn, dude. But yeah, man. But so, you know, it was a, uh, we uh, patrolled out Huskies mostly. So the weird thing was, well, we patrolled that area frequently. And for some odd reason, uh, my lieutenant, we parked in the same sp- space three nights in a row. And I mean, it was literally the, so we would have four, a four vehicle convoy and we would split those, the con- four vehicle convoy into two parts. We would send two vehicles East, two vehicles West, and we would cover a lot more ground that way to make sure insurgents couldn't infiltrate between us and plan IEDs on the road. And so we went to the same location three days in a row. And so where we were at, there was a Iraqi house behind us, and there was a family that was in there. There's this guy, and his like I think he had like three or four kids, and his him and his wife, and his. So they would come out and they would give us tea and all the stuff, like super nice. Me, I didn't trust anything or anyone that lived in that country, just because they, they, I knew they were all trying to kill us. He would give us tea, and I'd be like, Nah, I don't want none of this guy's tea, man. And he came out the first two nights. Yeah, <laughs> he came out the first two nights and gave us, you know, tea and just. But the third night we went there. It was so weird. Like that day I woke up and I could feel that something was different. Something was in the air. I could feel like uh, this real negative vibe. And when we got there, he wasn't there. The house was empty. Nobody's around. And I'm sitting in the turret all day and I'm like, man, I'm getting concerned. I'm like, man, it's real quiet. This dude just dipped out all of a sudden. And so my, I tell my lieutenant, like, man, I got a bad feeling. We shouldn't be here, man. I, I don't like it at all. And he's like, man, we're going to be fine. We're set up in a tactical way. They're not going to be able to sneak up on us. I was like, all right, LT. So I'm sitting there for a while and I'm like, man, I'm telling him again, like, right, we shouldn't be here. He was like, look, you've been in the turret all day. Come down in the driver's seat, take a load off. Right. So I hop down out of the uh, machine gun turret. I go to this hedge of bushes to take a leak. And as I'm taking the leak, I can literally feel somebody watching me. I knew somebody was watching me. You know, I had my Johnson in one hand and I had 
my finger on the selector switch and I switched it to some safe to full auto because I felt like somebody was about to attack me. I thought <laughs> so you were going to say you had your Johnson in both hands. <laughs> <laughs> when I was 19, probably, yes. <laughs> Lose some inches at the 30, bro. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, so I go back to the Humvee. I'm like, yo, y'all feel this like weird vibe? Somebody's watching us, man. We got to get out of here. And they're like, man, it is kind of strange that, you know, that guy's not here. So I tell my lieutenant, he's sitting in the uh, in the uh, passenger seat in the TC spot. I'm like, man, I got a bad feeling, sir. He was like, man, chill out. We're fine. He's getting frustrated, understandably so. Dumbass private that don't know anything, getting these strange feelings. I was like, all right. So I sit in the driver's seat and I take off my helmet. And it's weird because I kind of remember it in two parts where it was like the first part I remember is waking up on the ground, looking at the stars. And I'm like feeling all this pain and I'm confused. I'm like, why am I paying? What's going on? Then I realized that I'm hurt and I realized like, oh, my God, I'm about to die. This is it. And I'm just looking at the stars. But a couple of days later, my memory kind of jogs back to me. And, you know, uh, I'm sitting there and I remember waking up in the Humvee and I remember just the pain. And it felt like there was like a thousand pounds laying on me and I couldn't move. And I just remember my lieutenant screaming at me, Pitts, Pitts. And I'm like, it's, it was just like a Hollywood movie where it's moving slow motion. And like every, you know, you can see like specks of dirt flying and uh, floating around in the Humvee and it's nighttime and you can see the light. And man, he just pulls me out of the Humvee by my shoulders and my body is wrecked. And so when I hit the ground, man, I hit with a thud and it hurt. I mean, the pain was the worst pain I've ever felt. And so my left arm was uh, shattered in multiple places. I had my molars blown out, chip broken in half. I had like I took a real strong hit to the head. My back and my hips were blown out of alignment, man. And uh, so what we had found was that when we left, they knew the insurgents knew we were coming back. And they went to that spot and buried two 155 artillery shells and covered it up. But the crazy part is, though, before we parked, our dismounts got out and cleared that area. I mean, they looked at that area big time, make sure the ground was not disturbed, you know, make sure the ground was that still settled. You know, so and as you look at that picture right there, but uh, the uh, driver's side door is where I took the brunt of the blast. I took the entire blast, man. So how I survived and lived, only God knows. So, I mean, I'm just thankful to be alive, honestly, man. And I went to Walter Reed. I had my first surgery and uh, excuse me, Longstool, Germany is where I had my first surgery. But I ended up almost dying, not because of that, but because I got a real bad staph infection and it got into my bloodstream and it was starting to head oh. to my heart. So if I had gone home on leave like I was going to. I would have probably died because of the uh, staph infection, but ended up staying in Walter Reed uh, six months total. It was two, three months stints. I had to learn how to rewalk again. I mean, I was getting irrigation and abridements, man, going through therapy. It was miserable. My arm is pretty much locked in a uh, 90 degree angle. So literally, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all I got. So I can't I can't lock out further. So that's pretty, that's pretty much it, man. I was uh, medically retired from the Army and uh, what was that? October of 2006 and then slowly found my way into law enforcement. How did that arm injury impact like police academy or getting getting into police departments at all? So that when I first started doing the testing and they were like, all right, sit up. You got you no know, interlock your fingers behind your head. And I'm like, hey, guys, uh, so I got this little issue. <laughs> and they were like, well, we got to talk with the Department of Criminal Justice, the training center here in Kentucky. And they were like, we don't know if we're going to be able to accept you because you can't perform to the standard of putting interlocking your fingers behind your head so we'll let you do the test so you know i did my best to kind of like kind of hold on like that and do the sit-ups and 
man, and they it took them about a week and they decided that I could go through training. So, you know, it's it's so funny because uh, when I went through the Border Patrol Academy, my left arm, it looks it looks weird the way it hangs. It doesn't you know, straighten out. So Border Patrol Academy was real intense. It was like Army boot camp. You get off the bus and everybody's yelling at you, screaming at you. And some of our Border Patrol guy comes up to me, straighten out that left arm, recruit, straighten out that left arm. I can't, sir. He's like, what's wrong with that arm? I got blown up in Iraq in 2005, sir. He comes up to me, thank you for your service. <laughs> it just kind of leaves me alone. Yo, I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> but yeah, now I've never, man, that's why I tell people I don't, I don't want to hear anybody excuses of, uh, you know, I'm disabled, I can't work. And I'm like, bro, I'm 100% disabled, man. I'm still out here crushing it and getting after it. You know, there's just no reason for me, 38 years old. Yes, I have injuries. I have PTSD. My God, I can give you the sobbing story on all my injuries and woe is me, but I I have to work. I have to be productive. I have to have a purpose and wearing the uniform is my purpose. It gives me reason to get up in the morning. And man, it's not just that. I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and I don't want my kids to see daddy sitting at home on the couch all day. You know, that that's just not the life I want to live and that's not the, you know, the, the image I want to project to my kids. Like, you're going to have obstacles in life, but you still have to go forward and work. You have to be a productive member of society. You can't just, you know, as I've heard, be a professional veteran and just walk around with your service dog and your 511 tactical pants and, you know, your boots and just, you know, just, hey, I'm a veteran. You know, get treat me special, treat me different. And that's that's not the guy I want to be, man. You don't want to be the guy that parks in the veterans parking space at uh, Harris Theater? No. I, do, no. I don't know like who does it like, yeah, what? Wow. it says like what? veterans what? parking space what's a what yeah. te- te- teeter harris teeter it's like a i don't Sounds know like what, a milking what, station what kind <laughs> of gro- it's like our fancy grocery store here man they like got Redmonds? it at uh yeah they got it at uh i think it was a texas roadhouse or like wounded warrior park and it's, it's just so cringe to me i can't do it i, hey, dude, I will say it, what's more cringe is the people who park in it yeah yeah i, 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 park, dude, in I, don't, I park in there when i can when yeah, it's open. right. <laughs> I park in any employee of the month parking space. And then space. I, so I go to the in. bank. I just limp in, and no one questions me ever. <laughs> then I get that veteran's discount, and get I'm that, gone. Dude, get your discount. But the dog. funny thing is, man, I do stolen have a Valor, purple stolen heart food. Plate. I have a purple heart license plate, but that's only because when I'm driving, t- isn't it tax free? Not tax free. You got to pay for it, yo. But it's for if I just so happen to get pulled over outside of the yeah, area yeah, I work, yeah. I want to get a little leeway. Like ah, oh, man. I don't, I'm not going to get this guy a ticket, man. <laughs> yeah, I always tell my wife, like, um, like I always say, hey, remember that you're about to have sex with a disabled veteran. So thank you for my service before we do this. I'll do shit like that. But no, I always think it's cringe when somebody sit, when, when somebody parks in the uh, veteran parking spaces at those things because I'm just like, and you know you know what veteran it is, too. Like, oh, well, you know yeah. they're a veteran because they have all the bumper stickers, but they get out and they've got the hat on. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. They got the shirt yeah. with the big flag on the on the shoulder. With the American Eagle on it. These colors don't run. These colors don't run, brother. <laughs> I can't do it. So I have a rule for the hat. Yo, like the, you have to have at least your age plus your time of service has to equal sixty five in order to wear the veteran's hat. <laughs> oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, age I've, plus time of service. Yes, 
You yeah. got to earn that hat, man. I, ain't I just wish we had won a war while I was in so that I could be like the World War II veterans that wear their hat. Because it's like a baseball hat to me. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, like World War II hat. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the, like those wars that they won and they're wearing those hats. And you're just like, yeah, that's a bad dude right there. He, it's like, we're not going to be able to do that because it's like, oh, there's there's Grandpa Dexter and Papa Tansy <laughs> and they're wearing their loser hats. Yep. 20 years, nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for. Well, you got something to show for it. Scars and yeah. a nice check on the first, but yes, that's right. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, what made you get into law enforcement, man? So it was something I never really wanted to be a cop. It was never a thing for me. So I, after I got out of the army, I was kind of trying to find my way. I went to school for occupational therapy because I remember what my occupational therapist Steve did for me when I was on Walter Reed, and you know he helped me regain my independence. Yeah, and that was big to me. And I was like, I want to do that. Help soldiers that have been wounded. So I start going to school for occupational therapy and I'm like, this is the most boring crap I've ever done. It was horrendous. I did not enjoy it at all, man. And I was just sitting there like, what am I going to do? I looked into going to business, but I'm thinking, man, going from being a combat machine gunner, combat to a cubicle. I'm like, this is like, what am I going to do? Then I remember seeing the uh, commercial for the Louisville Metro Police Department on TV. And I was like, man, that looks kind of fun. It looks like something I've kind of done before. And I remember going and doing a ride along in the first division. <clears throat> and man, it was just the coolest thing ever. I'm like, man, they get paid to do this, drive fast cars and fight people and do all this cool stuff. I was like, man, I'm all in. So I put in my application in like March of uh, 2009 and got hired in November of that year. And I ain't never looked back, man. Still love the profession. Even after all that's gone through, man, I still love being a cop. And even though I'll be telling people, I still love the Louisville Metro Police Department, even though I'm not there. Man, that's the place that grew me, that taught me everything I know, man. The people that were there. And that's the biggest reason before why I kind of left recently was because I'm so attached to what it used to be and the people that used to be there that are no longer there. I'm having I can't I'm stuck in the past on that. And I'm like, I can't stay stuck in the past. I'm that guy. I roll call that I didn't want to be. That's always talking about the good old days like and I was like, man, it's I can't I can't move forward with this current direction. So I was like, probably time to separate again and move on, man. You wanna can you t- tell us about what happened with you? Um, you've had some shitty luck, to be honest with you. Like I read your book, and I was like, dude, I think I have a black cloud that flies over my head. You've got a black cloud that flies over your head. Um, because you jump right into law enforcement and you go right into Louisville, which might be like the hardest hit law enforcement agency in the United States. One of them. Um, and you've got to live like right through all of it. And not only do you have to live through all of it, but you have to live through all of it as a black police officer in kind of your own neighborhoods. And I thought that was like pretty profound in your book. You know, it's, it's hard for a toxic white male like myself to empathize with that. Cause I've never had to live that. But I mean, for you, obviously very traumatic and, and probably disappointing from what I kind of gather from the mood of the book. But, um, uh, why, you know, walk us through Louisville because all of that leads up to slushy gate, which you were yeah. front and center for slushy gate. But tell us kind of like the brief story of how this all led up to slushy gate, man. So, I can't remember when Slushy Gate actually happened or started. So, and let me preface this by saying, man, I know bits and pieces of the details. I don't know everything. So a lot of what y'all hearing is just my perception. And I know some of the people and players involved. So I can't point fingers necessarily and say this person is guilty. That person is guilty. That person did this. That person did that on this date. 
it's just I just know kind of the basics of it. So, you know, with the riots and protesting, man. So I think Slushy Gate happened before that. So, but oh, really? Slushy Gate yeah. happened before that? Yeah, if I if I remember correctly, I think it was before that, but. Well, before we jump into this story, I forgot really quick. We have two sponsors that we got to get through right now, and it's the middle of the show. So today's show is brought to you by, of course, ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Uh, Sleep so good, it's scary. But we also have a new sponsor today, and that sponsor is Undertack. That's you in, it's the spelled under and then T-A-C, Undertack. There's an entire new economy being created right now filled with patriotic companies that have had enough of cancel culture and the bullshit left. One you can support every day. All you uh, all you have to do is get dressed. And I'm talking about undertack boxers. These are undertack underwear. This is underwear for your real freedom fighters, your guys that are in the thick of the shit, your real blue collar workers. Undertack, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's probably not for it's not for your white collar white collar guys. Undertack is for those balls, dudes, man. These, <laughs> the, yes, this is for those guys that are grinding out there. Those real blue collar, manly men. <laughs> These uh, balls operate, boys. <laughs> Gotta let that meat swing on the battlefield, man. That's right, dude. Uh, these have to be the greatest boxers ever made, probably because they have literally been tested by special forces operators. I don't know why I said it like that, but uh, it felt right at the time. They're made with high-quality material that's antimicrobial, anti-pilling. I'm not sure what that means, but it's moisture-wicking, and I know what that means because I think it's very important to keep the sweat off your bowels. Uh, when I was going through special forces assessment and selection, uh, you were allowed to wear. Um, you were allowed to. You couldn't wear compression shorts, but you could wear the spandexy boxers, which is what Undertex is. Is that wickaway underwear? And let me tell you, for those guys that didn't bring that, chafing sucks. Uh, getting your feet hurt and everything sucks. But once your penis starts to chafe, there is no pain greater than a chafing penis. Uh, and so. Underwear is very important. Uh, moisture wicking super important. So the moisture wicking keeps you fresh and dry all day long. They come with a sturdy yet comfortable waistband that doesn't crack or loosen. Undertack is durable, ultra light, and shrink resistant. Here's the best part. They're almost 30% less than the woke designer brands with the non-binary models. Go to undertack.com, spelled under T-A-C.com. Get 20% off statewide with the offer code WOLFPACK20! Wolfpack, all capital letters, 20 exclamation port. Support a great American company that's pro-America, pro-2A, and pro-military. Basically, turns your cock into a 50 caliber machine gun. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Undertack.com. That's under TAC.com. Go to promo code Wolfpack20. Actually, there's no exclamation point. It's just Wolfpack20. Sorry. Wow. The I exclamation literally part corrected was, it right after you said exclamation <laughs> point just to find out that there's not one. And I'm telling you what, dude, you get those wickaway uh, underpants and you sleep in a ghost bed with that cooling technology, you'll literally stay hard while staying ultra cool. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. You know the deal. Wolfpack, the ghost bed's been a loyal sponsor since day one. And our favorite part, help us out here. They're made in the good old. USA, 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 and I'm proud to be an American. Okay, Uh, but Ghostbed right now is offering 35% off if you use that promo code Wolfpack. Uh, Bundle, got all the bundling options that you could ever want. Um, 
20 per, uh, it's 0% down, 0% financing. And that's if you've got last row Lopez credits. Uh, you can get the bundling <laughs> options. That's the way if you want it all. I want it all. I want it all. And I want it now. Now. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. All right, that's enough of the sponsors. Back to you, uh, Dexter. Um, we're going. We're leading into. You don't know what happened first, Slushy Gate or Breonna well, Taylor? I, I did. I do now. So you it was uh, actually from uh, August 2018 through September 2019, which I was already gone. I left the department in 2018 and went to the Border Patrol. So, and that was this incident was with our Ninth Mobile Division. So before that, it was the Viper Unit, which I was a part of when I was on the Marshals Task Force. So the Viper Unit, man, they are the high speed dudes who go out and get all the guns, the dope. You know, they the jump out boys, man. That's what they did. So, they, but they were dismantled shortly after. God, I can't remember what, when they were dismantled, but they got rid of that, and now they're just the CID, the Criminal Investigations, you know, unit. So, man, so the whole thing with it, it's weird. Is it, it all kind of ties together with the whole Breonna Taylor incident because the people at the well, not the people, the person at the center of the Breonna Taylor incident. Detective, uh, was it a uh, Kelly Goodlit? I was in the academy with her, so I guess they got the videos of officers throwing drinks and slushies at uh, homeless people in the West End, I guess. And I guess they they got the video off of her phone, and the, the officers that were involved. It was I know both of the officers. I worked with both of them. One of them I went to high school with, and he's actually a good dude, and. I talked to him not long ago, so he's getting ready to go to jail for three months. And I talked to him and he tells me, he's like, man, he hates he did it. And I know he hates he did it because he's a good dude. But I told him there's one thing I will never do. I will never make excuses for anything a cop does that hurts somebody else or that tarnishes the badge. I told him, like, bro, I hate what you did. I can't stand it because it hurt the profession. But Why at the same time, do you think they threw fucking slushies at homeless people? Man, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. When I heard this story, got I was too expensive, thinking, man. You got to have entertainment. I don't know. And that's the weird thing. And honestly, if I could think of anything, you all know how cops are. It's a frat boy, some frat boy bullshit, pretty much, man. Just rolling around, hanging with your homeboys and doing stupid stuff and not thinking of the repercussions or consequences of it. I guess, dude, but I cannot imagine. Like, it's not even funny. I, I can't. I, I, I can't. I, I just, uh, I'm trying to think back. You know, I don't ever see us sitting around on a slow midnight shift or something where I, I just can't imagine any of the guys that I work with going, hey, you know what we should do? Uh, what? We should uh, go over to, you know, whatever street where the homeless people are at. We should throw Slurpees at them. I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> what yeah, you man, say? <laughs> like everyone would be like, what? What's I wrong mean, with you? <laughs> yeah, I, We'd be like, no, we're not going to. Th- I mean, the, the closest thing I did. I won't say I did. The closest thing that we did, um, maybe it's like there was this one church that just complained about uh, homeless people begging in front of the church. And the church was ridiculous in itself because the church would never, if there was a crime committed and there was a lot of crimes committed, it was on a very bad street. And they would never allow us to look at their video footage to solve the crime, whether it be a shooting, a stabbing, they would never let us look at their video um, without lots of work and lots of drama. Um, and so, but they would call 911 constantly on people begging in front of the church. And there were like, there were condoms on the steps of the church and there were heroin needles. Um, but like even the people in the community didn't like the church. Um, 
I, I don't, it was a very small church too. Uh, but one day they had called and we uh, got a message, like a, a very big nasty message from the chief. And this is like, I'm a beat off, like this was my beat. And so they're, they're like A squad, B squad, C squad, D squad. There's four cops that was all that beat. So one of the, one of us, uh, maybe not me, maybe me came up with an idea of, you know what? I'm just going to go pepper spray the railings of the church. And that way, any homeless person that goes up there to beg is going to put his hands in the pepper spray and that's going to piss him off. But also the people going into church will also touch the pepper spray. But if they believe and pray hard enough, they won't even feel it. So, I mean, I do feel bad about the pepper spray on the, on the church railings, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I've seen cops do dumb stuff, but my biggest thing is, you know, when cops make a mistake, I've made mistakes in policing, but I've never gone out of my way to do the wrong thing. That's why, even though the people involved, I know them and it, but I want people to realize this was a small incident, but man, that does not, that's not all the officers on that department or in that unit. You have a handful of people that made a stupid decision and it cost us big time. And I mean, it, our legitimacy, it's gone because of it. But then when you throw everything in there with the Breonna Taylor incident and the fact that one of the, the, the female detective in there that was involved in it was involved in this. And I, what people don't understand is that I think that's why the FBI queued in on her because they knew they had this over her. Mm. Also, she's a new mom. She's got a new baby. And what are you going to do if you want to get some, you know, some info from somebody? You want somebody to turn and flip. You put pressure on somebody who's got the most to lose. So I feel like I think the FBI knew they had all this on her and was like, hey, this is what we want from you with this Breonna Taylor, you know, search warrant stuff. So they put the pressure on her. Next thing you know, she goes to the news and saying, hey, this is all the stuff we did on the search warrant. And now it looks it's looking like, quote unquote, like the officers might have. No, made some mistakes during the search warrant. I can't. I'm not going to sit here and say that they went out of their way to do the wrong thing on that search warrant, because I haven't talked to the officers that were involved on the search warrant, so I don't know their opinion. So I don't. I don't want to say that they did wrong, because I don't know if it was a mistake or not. So yeah, it's just a. It's a whole jacked up situation, man. And this is what happens when you have lack of leadership and lack of accountability. Because you know, I've, somebody told me that there were officers in, that were involved in the whole slushy gate, and they were senior officers. And leaders, like there was like a score sheet, they were keeping score, you know, so it's like, but nothing was ever done about it. So it's, it's one of those, you got to get ahead of the small things ahead of time, because if you don't, this is what happens. Things start to spiral out of control and it hurts the entire department and the entire profession. And so I I don't know who's really guilty or not, but man, the guys that were throwing the slushies on the videos, like it's, it's a shameful thing, but man, it, what it makes me mad. with? So, man, it's the catch-all thing. So, here's the deal. There are no victims. <laughs> Turns out there's no particular there's policy no. against slushy yeah. throwing. So, they're in the clear. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't Conduct find it, it in the rules and regs. It, it, yeah. It, so. They were never punished on LMPD, I don't believe. But I think they just turned them over to the FBI. But it's the catch-all charge of uh, deprivation of civil rights is what they're facing. So, they took a plea deal. From they don't have any God-given them. rights to not get covered in slushy. <laughs> That's a risk you take by being in public. <laughs> in some yeah, cultures, it's actually uh, a sign of gratitude of love. to be showered in a slushy. 
I wish somebody would hit me with a watermelon slushie right now. I'm thirsty, man. Damn, dude. Come out like, with the watermelon. Like, you like I, watermelon slushies? I saw one for my first time at Golden Corral. Of course. Corral. <laughs> and a watermelon flavored slushie. I haven't had a, a Golden Corral slushie in mm-hmm. so long. Oh, you are Here's trashy. Golden Corral. <laughs> my kids love it, dude. <laughs> my kids love some Golden Corral. We call it Golden Trough. But um, when they go skateboarding, if they like win a contest or you know, they, they land something that they've been working on for a really long time. You know, they get to pick a restaurant to go to and twice in a row. Now my oldest son, um, landed a really big trick that he'd been trying for a really long time. And I said, when you land that trip, we'll let you, you know, we'll take you out. And so he, he wanted to go to golden crown. And then my middle child got second place at a skateboard contest. And so we were like, dude, you know, second place in a skate contest. Let's, you know, we'll, we'll take you out for lunch. Where do you want to go? And he was like, golden co Wow. You know, he's <laughs> just turned eight years old and, uh, but they have a slushy machine right next to the soft serve ice cream machine. And one of the flavors is machine. watermelon. Never seen a slushy machine at a Golden Corral. That must be new. Yeah. That's that, that's that North Carolina Golden Corral, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm surprised yeah. that North Carolina doesn't just say trough instead of like Golden Corral. It just doesn't yeah. say what it is. <laughs> trough of food. Uh, feeding trough. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Hey, you know, listen, it's, it's, Mike, as much shit as you talk about North Carolina, I just drove through West Virginia and a lot of parts of Ohio. Ooh, West uh, Virginia is fucking both world. those places suck way. West worse. Virginia is is number 50 out of 50 in states. <laughs> no, it ain't worse than Mississippi, bro. You it is not worse than Mississippi. Hey, at least Mississippi has a beach at the bottom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I that it's it was wild, man. It, it, it we stayed in West Virginia, and I'm telling you what, man, it, it was it was crazy. One thing I learned about Ohio is that uh, everything is Fifty Shades of Brown. Everybody, like all the buildings are like beige brick or brown brick. All the rooftops are brown. It's like, did anybody have any other colors? Like any pink houses, blue houses, white houses? I mean, every house is just a shade of like brown. Yeah, very brown, very brown. Not state. an Ohio fan. So I'll I'll keep my North Carolina here. Um, so what do these guys? They take a plea deal. Yeah. What do they end up getting sentenced with? So if I remember correctly, so my buddy was telling me that it was a deprivation of civil rights. It's kind of like the conduct unbecoming, but on the federal level. You know, so and the thing is, like I said, there's no victims. They don't have any victims. They have the people that were. Uh, you know, on the video, but nobody could find the victim. So my buddy Here's was my question. Did they hit the dude with the slushie? They hit him. Yeah, they hit a couple of people with the slushie. Okay, they hit him. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's so he was w- wondering if he should fight it or just take the plea deal because if you fight it and lose, you could go to jail for, I think, up to 15 years. So, yeah, for, for slushie. So Holy he shit. takes the plea deal. So his plea deal, he's going to be a felon for the rest of his life. Imagine and telling he, your it, cellmate what you're in for. Yeah. <laughs> I hit a oh, homeless man. man with a slushy. <laughs> what? No, you wouldn't say it like that. You should be like, I slushied a motherfucker. Everybody's like, damn, what slushy in a motherfucker? Straight killer, man. Dude, I yeah, fucking yeah. slushied that fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah but fool. so so but so he took takes the plea deal, goes to court. He's not supposed to go to jail at all. But the judge turns around and says, No, you're you're gonna do some time. And so the judge tells him that he's gonna do three months. And so what? and the worst part is so my buddy, he's in the Air Force. And he's been in like almost 20 years. So he's getting ready to get his retirement just before all this comes out. So I think he's still going to get his retirement, man. But so he's going to go to jail for three months and be a felon for the rest of his life. And I'm like, I am all for holding cops accountable when they do wrong or if they do something, if they 
there has to be accountability like fire him yes yeah of course but shame him publicly yes shame him publicly yes but a felon dude he sounds like he's getting more time taking uh, right to right to vote his right to bear arms (laughs) it's crazy man i'm like a felony like bro no that nobody got shot nobody got hurt he's getting worse sentencing than jesse smollett (laughs) yeah god yeah, man, it's a it's it's a shame, bro. And I'm like, man, and he's like, man, this is slushy it. country. <laughs> this is slushy country, boy. <laughs> yeah, we no, it's, are that's slushies. <laughs> yeah, man, it's so, just extreme, man. And it's like, it, it, I mean, what uh, Katie uh, Katie Cruz? So her thing went through. So she's not doing any time, and I think she's pleading to a misdemeanor. And it's all because you know, currently we have this witch hunt of police officers right now. And so if officers make a mistake, I mean, this is a big mistake. I ain't going to say it was a mistake. This was a horrible decision on their behalf. And so they are now dealing with the consequences of it, man. And I say it's the it's an overkill with a felony, if you ask me. It's oh, overkill, complete man. complete overkill, dude. That's, it's like that's it's an, an unreasonable punishment. I mean, it was like giving Derek Chauvin 22 years when any criminal um, first-time offender – in, in that same capacity would have done seven years. We already looked at, we looked at all the evidence. We looked at all prior cases and what other people were charged. And the average was like seven years. Like the high end was like 11 and like the low end was like three. So the and average was seven. Do half of that. They give that, probation. they gave Derek Chauvin 22 years. If you threw, if, if, if I got a call as a police officer and they said, this home guy, homeboy over here, threw a slushy at that homeless guy over there. And the homeless guy was gone. I'd be like, Grow up, dude. What if you were homeless? Why are you throwing such as at home? You think that's funny, dude? You're an asshole. You're an asshole, and your mom should be embarrassed. <laughs> and that would be the end of it. That would be like his whole punishment. It would just be like a scorned shaming. Uh, I don't understand how somebody goes to fucking jail for this. Yeah, I don't. Well, the worst part is that is that they're trying to make my buddy out to be a racist. You know, because they're saying, oh, they only targeted black people, and I don't know who... They hit and why they selected certain people. I have no clue. Yeah, but man, well, how many how to... many white people are homeless in that area versus black? Oh, bro, if they were in the West End. I mean, it's all black. Okay, so I mean, there you go. It's it's like you know, I'm sure if there was a white a white homeless dude, they probably would have pegged him too. I imagine. Yeah, the I mean, diversity I... of homelessness in Louisville downtown is very it's very diverse. Man, you get a, you get a little bit of everything down there, but where they were at, from what I'm hearing in the West End, it's all it's all the hood, man. And I, but, Joseph Russo in the chat, chat, chat say this isn't this isn't a mistake. It's criminal. I, I yeah. I understand that. I, I hope. I think he's referencing the slushy gate. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. It's definitely criminal. I. But the problem is, is that I don't know that you charge anybody else. Like if a cop rolls up on on a scene where somebody throws a slushy at somebody else. I mean, it's just like when a girl gets mad and, and dumps her you know wine or something on a dude's shirt. You know, you trespass him from the location try to give him a stern talking to very rarely do you make that arrest yeah but i mean is, is it criminal yes but is it worthy of a felony though that's no. the thing you got to ask no that's not it's a misdemeanor at the most man but that's when you start playing the game with the feds you know and like i say it's a cop witch hunt right now and they're trying to crucify officers you know for all the things that have happened over the years i mean we had a uh, Corey evans here in louisville metro during the protest he's going he's going to jail for i think three to five years for hitting somebody in the head with a stick during the protest. So, I mean, they, man, they've been slinging sentences at cops left and right. And so that's why I tell anybody, if you are an active police officer right now listening, th- 
Think about what you do before you do it. The, you know, the, the consequences and repercussions are going to be severe. You know, if you have to think twice about it, bro, don't do it. Just don't do it. And that's just that. Think about the person to your left and your right. Because if you do something in front of me, you put me in a position to where I have to report you and you get mad at me for reporting you. That's on you, homeboy, not me. It ain't about you. This is about the profession. Mm -hmm. This is about this badge and this is about the department. This ain't about you. Don't make the rest of us look bad because you want to try to look cool or do something stupid, man. That is my biggest pet peeve. Do not put me, my career and my family's well-being at risk because you want to make bad decisions. Like I say, I will. I'm no, I'm, I go to church, man. I believe in the man upstairs. I believe in forgiveness. Like I said, I I'm mad at what they did. I don't like what they did. But I my buddy, man, I I forgive him because I love him. He's a good dude and he's not a racist. Definitely not. And I've known this guy since high school. He served his country honorably, had a good career, man, was super active, made a lot of good rest. But now all that is gone because of bad decisions, man, like five bad decisions back to back. And everybody's going to say, well, you know, he's a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. But good people make bad decisions all the time. You know, you're 100% right. I mean, I, I probably make bad decisions on the daily, to be honest with you. We um, all do, but. What do you think? What does it do? You know, we have the Ben Darby case. I know Mike's been following it as well. Um, and they had oral arguments yesterday. And uh, I guess the oral arguments went good, but there's no time limit on when the judge can talk. What? What's, what's the Ben that? Darby case? What's that, Mike? <laughs> what's that yeah, case? It could be like next year sometime. Uh, it's a case where a guy um, showed up on a call where his his partners were in an interesting precarious position. It was like a suicidal male with a gun on his couch, and he walked in and gave verbal commands, and and then ended up oh. shooting the dude. And he was charged with murder and convicted. So he's serving like I, I can't remember if it's like twenty five plus years or whatever whatever it is. And they're appealing it because at that very department there was another case, not not exactly identical, but very very similar that was fine. And then. Um, they showed evidence that he was trained, like the actual training that they had sent him to. He followed the the process of what the department paid to oh. send him to the training, and he just followed it. So yeah, they're yeah, trying so to the, kind of say you can't put a guy ben in jail Darby for doing exactly what, happened, what you taught him. A civil do. review board cleared him, and really, the police department cleared him. And it wasn't for, I, I don't was it four years after it. It was a while after George Floyd happened that they reopened the investigation and arrested him. But it, maybe it was like, I, I don't remember how long it was, but he had actually been back to work, was on the SWAT team and everything. And uh, and they, I think the Department of Justice is on that reopened that case. Oh, the feds. Okay. Yeah. And they're going to charge him under a different statute to where yeah. it's not going to be double jeopardy. But that's, see, that's garbage, man. That's why I tell people, I love this profession. I love being a cop. But you have to realize signing up to do this job now, what is at stake? You don't even have to go and be proactive. This guy was called to this thing and yeah. still is facing, what, 25 years? Yeah. Or is he doing 20? Yeah, that's. No, he's in prison. Oh, he's they in prison. Him, yeah, they found him guilty. He's he's in prison right um, now. And, and, he's been and, convicted. And, you know, the sad yeah. thing about that's where we do a whole breakdown on it, the Ben Darby case breakdown. But, I mean, 100% that was the female's fault that got him in that situation, if I recall. From our breakdown, yeah, they were just terrible cops. Yeah, his doing... the other officers that anything were there happened were trash. to him. No, uh, no, yeah. 
Oh, well, there you go. No. Yeah. No, I think one of them will fit right in with command. Yeah, no, they had they had terrible officer tactics. I mean, horrible, horrible uh, tactics. And he stepped in and actually took charge of the situation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously tragic that it it has an end where a life is taken. But dude, yeah, like to to turn a cop into a murderer and sentence him to twenty five years for basically, but you know, he has probably doing his job lives is in the profession. I mean, his wife is such a warrior through this, and she literally is a warrior. She's on a SWAT team. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, she is. I mean, she doesn't miss a beat. It's like every single day she's out grinding on his behalf, trying to get him out of prison. I mean, that's the kind of wife you definitely, yeah, you want. I mean, she's very vocal. She's very good on the social media webs. She's going on podcasts and, and, um, she does a great job. What, so how many people did this affect for the Louisville Metro slushy gate? These two idiots launching slushies at homeless people. Uh, what did it, obviously the backlash was, was national news was on a national news level. Feds got involved. What did it do to the morale of the department? How many people left because of this? Um, I don't think and, anybody and since they've gotten sentenced, what is it? What's I don't the, think anybody's left because of this. I mean, people were leaving before this even came out. Man, LMPD has been hemorrhaging officers for for years at this point. And but honestly, also I'll be tell you, we've had a lot of officers that have come back too. We've had a lot of officers that left went to other smaller agencies, and they're coming back because they got the pay raise now and. And we got cats coming in here making freaking, I think new people make like 56,000, but after the first year, they're making like 70 plus. And now we have the LMPD multi-level marketing thing we're doing, they were doing, where it's like, hey, you get your buddy to sign up and he gets through the process, you get $1,500. You know, it's just, Damn. <laughs> do $8,000 for a new hire <laughs> and then $3,000 bonus for a uh, sign-on or for, for moving expenses, man. So the thing is, man, I, I will never tell somebody not to work at this department because this is the place that grew me. And I know there's a lot of good people there. Most of the officers there are great freaking officers. We have a lot of people that are in command that are good people, but it's one or two people at the top, you know, mayor and chief that control everything. And, and just the fact that I think with the whole Breonna Taylor incident and with John and uh, John Maddenley's in incident, the fact that they withheld so much information and didn't get ahead of it and put out the truth that made the department spiral out of control. And that's Why unfortunate. Didn't what do you think the point? And we've always said this. I mean, we've gone over the Breonna Taylor case in depth multiple times. Um, what do you think the reason was that the the apartment allowed their town, allowed Louisville to just get burned to the ground? I don't know. What, I could not. I, nothing makes there? sense. Nothing makes sense. It does not make sense to me. It's like almost I, they wanted it to. Maybe, but man, political. I'm sure it's political, but I've talked to a lot of the officers that were in charge that have during that time that I have since left. And I'm like, would you come back? They'd be like, hey, they're like, hell no, I'd never go back. You know? So it's a lot of people that uh, led the charge during that time have hung up their boots and they're gone. You know, the rank and file are left dealing with the problems and the issues. And that's always how it's been. You know, it's a, it's a shame, man. That's why I like uh, Colonel uh, Scheller's book, you know, crisis of command. Like we have a leadership problem. It, it's starting at the top. And that's most places, it's, especially with the country. Right. Everything starts at the top with leadership, man. And it all trickles down to the men and women in the streets. And we are the ones getting the blowback. We are the most tangible part of government. We are the most tangible part of the police department. Because it's going to be, you know, little officer Joe Joe Daly that's coming to your door on your worst day. It's not going to be police chief. And But who you are going to take your aggressions out on? Little officer Joe Daly. That's who you're going to take it out on, mm -hmm. not police chief. 
So yeah, man, it's I I I don't understand why they let all this happen. You know, I mean, this it was so out of control. And I'll tell you the one thing I do like where I'm at now, the encouragement, go do your job in my new place. It was so weird. So the protesters went to the new place I'm at to protest. And man, they stepped in the street and they disobeyed the officer's uh, law, uh, the officer's orders, and they handled business. And guess what? They came back out to protest the next time. They stayed on the sidewalk because they respected the place I'm at. They respected those officers. I was like, man, where I, where I was at in Louisville, man, they disrespected us every day. I mean, nobody listened to us. That badge meant nothing. Because there's no hard line. You know, no hard th- line. There's no hard line. If, there, if, if, if you can question the authority, I mean, I, I have four kids, so I, I, get, I literally get to live this. Like, if you have hard lines, your kids know – they they know what what my hard lines are or what my wife and I's hard lines are. It's those ones that are kind of questionable on the fence. It's when you leave – anytime that you can question a rule, your kids are going to question that rule. So you, you've got to define and set hard lines. Like, okay, listen, I said no TV unless you've asked both your mother and your – like unless you have permission to watch the TV. Like you cannot watch TV without that permission. Now, if – they wake up and they'll say, well, we saw the remote in the phone. It wasn't hidden. So we just thought we could turn the TV on because you guys didn't hide the remote. Well, no. What was the rule? The rule is you don't watch TV unless you were told directly by either me or your mother. So now you guys are in big trouble and it's a hard line. No means no. And if I would have let them get away with that and said, oh, yeah, I can see where you're confused on that. They will forever try to retard the rules. And we do that as, as a police department. You say, you're not allowed to beg on this corner without a permit. But then we allow you to beg on the corner without a permit. Yep. Yep. And, so they, and allowed, they know it. And they know and they know it. it. So when that's open to questioning, then it's like, well, now I can have five people out here. And it's just, it creates chaos. And we need, you know, departments, if you have a rule, you need to stand by that rule or get rid of the rule. Yeah. But we're allowing everybody to kind of question and dictate, you know, can you stand next to a police officer in videotape? Because in some videos, we allow that to happen. And you see all these mm-hmm. YouTube videos. Well, if the rule is that it's an officer safety situation and you can't be within fighting distance of an officer while he's conducting police business, then we need to hold those business. people accountable. And that's a dirty word, man. Accountability. There's just no accountability. Now, of course, if I mess up at the lowest level, <clears throat> no, you're, I'm going to be held accountable. It's kind of like being in the military, man. I know that if a, if a private first class loses his night vision goggles, it's going to be the end of his world, the end of his career. But mm-hmm. lo and behold, when I was in Iraq, we had our captain. He freaking lost his sidearm in sector. Nothing mm-hmm. was ever said. Nothing. If that had been me, man, they would have hung me out in sector, you know, and pelted me with rocks and rotten eggs and just, you're a horrible person, a horrible soldier. They put you with in that thing. Yeah. Like, your arms me. are through it. Yeah. Through it. <laughs> People can just like walk by and throw tomatoes at you and shit. He lost his night vision goggles, you scumbag. But you Captain loses a freaking, you know, a sidearm that could actually be used against an American soldier and kill a soldier. So we were uh, hush, hush. just a really quick before we get out of here. My one quick veteran story uh, driving through a safe zone in Afghanistan. We were actually um, driving back to Jalalabad, passing through Kabul on our way to Gardez on the opposite side of the city. And while we were going through, while we were kind of coming through. Uh, a safer area of Afghanistan, there was a convoy coming the opposite direction of us. And so we tried to wave to them and 
out the driver's side door was a pistol. You know how they had pistols around the lanyards, the little stretchy lanyards? Oh, yeah. It was banging up against the thing and banging and sparks were flying. So they, the, the pistol had fallen out of the holster and then they had shut the door and it was just being drugged behind the humpy. Oh, my God. Uh, I always thought that was super funny. Jeez, man. Super That's funny. Sad. Mike, what do you got? We can't see you, so it's hard. I know. I know. There's I don't even that beautiful know if you're voice. There. <laughs> the silky smooth Hello? voice. Uh, man, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think I want cops to be held accountable, clearly. Yes, absolutely. And um but but jail time jail time for for uh for that, I you know, I don't know. You know, you kinda wonder like there's gotta be consequences to actions and you know what? If it's uh even if it's a loss of a job, you know, like hey, yeah, you can't do this anymore. You just you, you, yes, you can change as a person. Yes, you can grow. Yes, you can learn from this. But no, you can't be a cop here. You just can't. We just can't. Anywhere. We won't tolerate that. That's just not, you know, that would have been fine with me. If 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 Louisville would have been like, no, we don't we don't condone this. We don't tolerate it. And if there was no local ordinance to charge them with or something like that, then okay. But felonious assault or, or being viewed as a felony, yeah, that's uh, especially with no victim. Yeah, man. Like it, it's uh, wild, man. A little, little over the top, and I, I think it's like, yeah, we want accountability, but, but this kind of stuff will only serve to further keep good people from coming into the profession too. Like, which is the point, though. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. that's the point. I've always said that, dude. I, I feel like my department they don't want people like me, you know, trained up under the old school guys and hardcore like all about the police and i feel like they want to bring people in that are newer that they can train to their new woke standards and you know be kinder gentler you know the community relations officers out there making videos and hey kids look at me dancing doing tiktok dances come join the louisville metro police department oh god uh, i can't i can't stand it and i understand that that is where society is going and that you have to do some of that but i just Man, as I said, I had to leave, man. I'm just not down with the, I'm not down with that whole thing. I just can't, man. And everybody's like, oh, you got a, you know, you got a podcast and you got, you know, YouTube page. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not out here dancing, man. Like, yeah, you're not making a, a fool show, of yourself. You're not yeah, I'm not, I'm not making Dead a fool like media of myself, in the chat says, how many investigative hours spent on this? Now, same question to the attacks on the officers during uh, the hours, the, the officers during the protest, how many investigative hours and arrests have been made in those? And that, that's kind of like, yes, rules for thee and not for me type deal. It's like, okay, so the protesters can throw urine bombs, they can throw bricks, they can throw like that, and, yeah. and, and maybe they get 20 hours of community service it, it, when exactly. an arrest is made. However, one cop throws a slushy and he's a felon. And see, and that's I just talked about this on my last podcast. What I just you talked sign about up that. for. Right. No, yeah, so, and that's not what you sign up for. Like, you, you know, if you know that you're going to be held to a higher standard, which, you know, if you you should be have to, it should have to be in writing. It's like, okay, you're a cop. If you get speeding, your speeding tickets are doubled because you're a cop. Um, yeah. that then then put that in writing because then I can make a decision whether I want to be a cop or not. But like, we've just decided that cops now get to be held to a higher standard. Okay, so then should teachers be held to a higher standard? Should congressmen? Should councilmen, any time that uh, somebody breaks the, the rules in, in those kind of positions, should they not be held to the highest extent? DWIs? You know, why is it when a cop gets a DUI, he loses everything? 
But when Paul a Pelosi. congressman or a city councilman or a judge gets a DUI, nothing. <clears throat> they get to keep their jobs. And that's what drives me crazy, bro, is that I don't I want to be held to the high standard, but don't dare hold me to the high standard and hold nobody else to any sort of standard. So the protesters here in Louisville, I talked about on my last podcast. So when they blocked the bridge last in uh, 2020, so it came out that they're going to be getting community service You know, for the ones that were arrested. They're going to do like 20 hours of community service. And then after a month, their record will be expunged. So it's just like you cause all this chaos, stop traffic from flowing from Kentucky to Indiana. And all you're getting is a spank on a slap on the hand. Like, hey, 20 hours community service. Other than that, you're good to go. It's and like I'm just Mighty like, Ducks where he's like two minutes high sticking. Well worth it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we appreciate you coming on today, dude, taking time out of your day. Happy Veterans Day to Drew Breezy. He Big Daddy Dave. Uh, to Dexter Pitts here. To any of our veterans that are on the Wolfpack, send us your Instagram pictures of your veteran stuff so we can post that up. And we want to see all the veterans in the Wolfpack today. I, I want to light see you up parking in that spot, boys. Yeah, I want to see you at yeah. Applebee's. I want to see you at Golden Corral. Start scouting the menu right now, boy. Start scouting it. <laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah, get Denny's there early. here I come. Get there early. I like on Hooters. My wife and I went to Hooters for Mother's Day a few years ago because Hooters gave free wings to uh, all the moms on Mother's Day one year. And so uh, we took advantage of that. Uh, I don't think we've ever taken advantage of free food, though, on Veterans Day. Maybe maybe when I was younger. I don't know. But, uh, yes, please send us your pictures, and we'll post those up on our IG story and on our Facebook. For everybody else out there, don't be a degenerate. Be the uh, veteran that uh, everybody expects you to be. Be a beacon of light, not just a uh, degenerate who goes out and vomits in the parking lot and commits crimes. Uh, keep, it, keep it professional and, and have a good day. Call all your buddies. Check on them. Uh, from Mike the Cop and Eric Tanzi and Dexter Picks, this has been Failure to Stop Friday's Breakdowns. Until next time, guns up. Giddy up. Giddy up.